Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. What's out there is unknown. So at UC San Diego, out we go. Because to take on the challenges of the here and now, you got to get your feet wet, your eyes open, and your mind out there. Way out there. Turning the unknown into cures, culture, and connections with each step forward. So pack a bag, a notebook, and some sandals and get ready to look far and think further. UC San Diego. Learn more at ucsd.edu. See new things. Try new things. Go back centuries while living in the moment. Forge new paths while discovering old ones. Pedal, paddle, and paint while trekking, tasting, and tailoring experiences that transform you into a better version of yourself. Immerse yourself in the world by activating your mind, your heart, and your body on a river cruise exclusively from Avalon Waterways. Save with limited time offers at avalonwaterways.com. Avalon is cruising. Elevated. KFI AM640. You're listening to the John and Ken Show on demand on the iHeartRadio app. Uh, we got a lot to get to today. Of course, why not have hearings in Washington, D.C. over the origins of COVID-19? Why not? Republicans control the House, so they get to set the agenda. That's what they're doing. We'll talk about that coming up later on. The trial is about to begin. Well, it's beginning for Mark Ridley Thomas, the uh, suspended L.A. City Councilman and former L.A. County Supervisor who's involved in a corruption case. They found him guilty. I, I thought that they, they finished opening statements and they're... No, really the, kind ju- of- the jury just took a look at him and said, oh, come on, that guy's guilty. Let's not waste our time. Oh, you're kind of jury. Yeah. Sizing people up quickly. You have the right to a spe- speedy trial. Sure. <laughs> uh, we're going to begin the show, though, by talking to what appears to be the first announced candidate to replace George Gascon as L.A. County District Attorney. Uh, this is a deputy DA who's been at the L.A. County uh, DA's office since 1998. His name is John McKinney, and uh, he announced he's in the race. It's not until November of 2024. We're going to vote. It's not this year. It's next year, but why not get an early start, help with fundraising, and build support? And it's uh, a pretty good chance that uh, he'll be on our voter guide for, for, for DA yeah, next year. and he's been very outspoken against uh, George Gascon and all the atrocities. He has. We've talked to him before, and there's a collection of deputy DAs who have had the courage to stand up publicly against uh, the policies of George Gascon. So let's get to John McKinney on and talk more about all this. John, how are you? I'm great. Good afternoon. Um, I have a couple of corrections to start with, though. First, let me say I'm a longtime listener, but I believe this is my very first time on your show. So that, thank you for having me on. Is that right? Wow. I, I believe so. Yeah, of oh. course. I would remember being on with you guys. No I could have sworn we talked with you. Well, wait, we've talked to John Lewin. And I thought we talked to you, too. I remember there were two Johns. Maybe I have a different John in mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, if it's our first meeting, w- welcome to the to the show. It's good to have you on. 
I think you, I think what it is 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 I have seen you on TV so many times talking about Gascon, and it's often while I'm doing the show. <laughs> like you're 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 across from me on the TV screen. It's as if you're here. Yeah. And because I've also been I've also been on your sister show, Gary and Shannon, a number a number of times. So you probably heard me there yeah, too. Yeah, you're just a part of our life. <laughs> so John, tell us as if we don't know why you're, why running, you're running. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, of course, you guys know better than, than anyone. Uh, I'm running because there's a void of leadership in the district attorney's office, and it's leading to chaos on our streets. It's uh, leading to chaos within the district attorney's office itself. Homicides are up, uh, as everyone knows, uh, 50% over 2019 levels. Most of the victims of those homicides are young and black Hispanic males. All manner of thefts are exploding around the county. Uh, drug addiction is on the rise. Drug poisoning from fentanyl is uh, killing young people, and there's been no response from the chief law enforcement officer of L.A. County. We have a district attorney who does not make public safety his highest priority. And if you ask him directly, he will have a hard time saying that he does make public safety his highest priority because he knows that everything he does belies that fact. So I'm running. I want to I want to restore L.A. criminal justice system uh, to a place where uh, we we bring a safety centered approach to public safety. That means that every decision that's made has to be tethered to public safety as its anchor. Uh, you've had plenty of run-ins with Gascon. In fact, he transferred you out of your uh, your former job. Can you can you describe, you know, what role you had, uh, and then and where you are now? Sure. I, I worked hard over 25 years to rise the ranks in the district attorney's office, reaching what for many is the pinnacle of any trial assignment for a criminal prosecutor, and that's being in the major crimes division of the L.A. County DA's office. I worked there for 10 years. I had a spotless record, never lost a case, tried and prosecuted approximately 40 murder cases. And then one day I was just informed that I was being transferred uh, to an assignment that, that largely uh, deals with misdemeanor crimes. I was given no explanation for the transfer. And so uh, I now sit in a small office in East L.A. haggling with first-year public defenders about, about community service. Is there any one of the directives that George Gascon announced shortly after he took office at the end of 2020 that stands out to you as being the worst of all of them? Oh, <laughs> that's a difficult question because, because so many are so bad, but bad in different ways. I mean, some are just cruel, for example, uh, you know, not supporting victims at parole hearings, not even informing them that parole hearings are on the calendar. That's just cruel. Uh, I worry about our young people. He will not he will not hold young people accountable for any misdemeanor crimes. And when they commit more serious crimes, he has a so-called lightest touch philosophy. Uh, which results in young people being conditioned to believe that there are no consequences for antisocial and criminal behavior, which only compounds the problem. 
I worry about them and I worry about the parents who are trying to raise them uh, in a difficult urban environment, especially in our low income neighborhoods. Well, if you live in the neighborhood and you, you see that other guys are getting away with everything, what's the motivation to be a good guy and follow the law? You see them having fun. You see them stealing stuff and making money from it. So why not join the party? Because, yeah. the, you know, the DA's office isn't going to do anything about it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I grew up in the 80s when crack cocaine dropped on our cities like a bomb. And I was a young man. I was about 16, 17 years old. And I watched a lot of my peers race to the corners to peddle crack cocaine. And they went from being like me, dressing like me. Well, basically, we, we didn't have two nickels to rub together on most days. And then all of a sudden, you know, they got the fancy clothes and big gold ropes around their necks and driving fancy rental cars. And for a young man like me, uh, looking at them, it was very tempting. It was very tempting to join them on the block and make that kind of money. The difference was, of course, my upbringing and the fact that I had this healthy fear of being caught and knowing that there would be consequences if I got caught. George Gascon has removed that fear, that healthy fear. He has removed the consequences. So I often say, you know, I was very lucky to grow up in a place that didn't have a district attorney like George Gascon because I don't think I'd be sitting here talking to you guys right now. I don't think I would have become a lawyer. I certainly wouldn't have attended the UCLA School of Law. I don't know where my life would be if I didn't have the proper guardrails that comes from good, strong, fair uh, administration of justice. Right, can you hang on, John? Sure. All right. We're talking to L.A. County Deputy District Attorney John McKinney, 25 years with the DA's office. Uh, he joined when John, when Gil Garcetti was the DA. Uh, anyway, he is running to hopefully knock George Gascon out of office. This won't be a vote until November of 2024. But we'll talk more with John when we come back. It's exciting that somebody's already in the race and drawing attention to the unbelievable, horrible criminal justice system we now have under Gascon. John and Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. We continue with Deputy DA John McKinney. He uh, has been a Deputy DA for L.A. County for 25 years, uh, most recently under George Gascon. He was in the major crimes unit for 10 years, went 40 for 40 in convictions of, uh, of murder suspects. And, of course, uh, he was transferred. Gascon transferred him to a small, lesser office because McKinney spoke out against Gascon's horrible policies. Well, now McKinney has announced he's running for election in 2024 against Gascon. Uh, and we're going to continue talking to him here. Yeah. Yeah, John, I want to ask you this. I asked you before about which one of Gascon's directives seems to be the worst, but let me come at this angle. Gascon has made it very clear every time he's asked that the criminal justice system needs overhauling. And he believes that uh, prison sentences, long ones, don't work. He believes that there's a lot of systemic racism in the whole system. I mean, how do you respond to that? And if listeners don't know, you are African-American, right? Yes, I am. Okay, I, I don't know if that, in my mind, you know, if that gives you a different perspective, I don't know. But explain to people, Gascon always likes to haul out these statistics that he talks about that to back his, his uh, reforms. Uh, respond right. to all well, that. 
Well, I think most people know at this point that George Gascon is not a prosecutor. He is a politician. And he has ushered in um, a great deal of confusion and politics and political ideologies, which never existed in the DA's office before he was sworn in. We used to be an apolitical, as much as you can be, an apolitical organization. Uh, I couldn't even tell you what the political affiliation was of the prior three three DAs. I mean, I could guess and tell you what they were, but I never thought about it before uh, George Gascon was elected. Uh, As an African-American in the DA's office, I wouldn't stand for racism uh, by anybody, whether it was a prosecutor, a judge, or a defense attorney. And I can tell you right now, the Los Angeles County Public Defender's Office wouldn't stand for it, nor would the private criminal defense bar, nor would the bench in L.A. County. Uh, There are a lot of checks and balances on the operations of criminal justice in Los Angeles County, and this is the most diverse county anywhere in the world. And it's an affront, I think, especially to our defense attorneys to suggest that they would work in a system rife with racism. I'll tell you the racism that I worry about, guys, is the disproportionately negative impact that George Gascon's policies have on black and Hispanic communities, especially the low income communities where crime is the highest. That's the racism that we should be focused on. I want to talk about that because because Gascon uses racism as a shield uh, to protect himself from any criticism over his policies. By, by claiming there's systemic racism, disproportionate, this and that. But nobody has ever called him to account. You just did. But nobody calls him to account that the victims are disproportionately, are mostly black and Hispanic. The victims of the of these right, criminals. That, sure. And, and that's it, a real sh- And it, it, that, that leadership needs to come from the other electeds in L.A. County. The other electeds who uh, have jurisdiction over neighborhoods where people are being victimized, they, they need to stand up and say, well, wait a minute. Why are homicides up 50 percent over 2019 levels? Why, why are most of the people who are being killed uh, on our streets, black and Hispanic, uh, being killed with guns? What are you doing about guns? Why aren't you using gun enhancements? Uh, why are you taking the lightest touch to criminals? who are killing innocent people who look just like them and come from the same neighborhoods. George Gaston is not going to raise those questions. We need the other electeds to speak up. We need the advocacy groups to speak up. You know, certainly I've been speaking up. Other people in the DA office have also been speaking up and calling attention to these problems. And you guys, of course, have... Uh, and and why, do, up- why do so many politicians and advocacy groups refuse... To discuss this, because we're talking about people who are getting severely injured and killed by in these crimes. I mean, there's a lot of heartache going on in these neighborhoods, and they seem to have very few defenders. You know, the only explanation I can think of is there's a certain amount of allegiance amongst our electeds. Uh, we live in Los Angeles County. It's no secret that, that we're a very democratic uh, county. 
a lot of these politicians know each other. They're personal friends. They have professional relationships. Many of them are funded by the same donors. So maybe that's an explanation for why no one will stand up and, and speak the truth and speak truth to power. Uh, but we need more of that. The voters yearn for that kind of leadership. And that's one of the reasons I'm running. I want to bring that kind of cooperative but honest voice to, to the discourse around public safety. How and, bad is it right now in Los Angeles County public safety? What's happened the last two years plus? I don't think it's impacted on most people because they don't follow things closely. Sure, you know, you have crime that's covered by the media. But, you know, you're inside the DA's office, John. Tell us, you know, what we're looking at here after two plus years of Gascon. Well, we're looking at a seismic shift in safety. Um, let's, take, let's just take shoplifting, for example, okay? Uh, shoplifting has become de facto legal in most parts of Los Angeles County where the DA has jurisdiction. You can go to any store and you'll see shoplifting happen, happening openly, openly and notoriously. And for most of us now, when we go to a store, most of what we want to buy, we find locked behind cages. You know, you almost feel like you're a criminal just walking into these businesses. And then my heart goes out to these businesses, especially the small ones, because they, they are already operating at, at a razor-thin profit margin. And now they're having to invest in more security and lock things up. Uh, and, and next thing you know, they're out of business. They go out of business. That hurts the neighborhood. Uh, because people in those neighborhoods, they don't have a store on every corner, and they don't all have cars that they can drive across town and shop somewhere else. These things are all connected. Now, that's just shoplifting. We talk about the homicides that are up. We can talk about the number of, of juveniles who are committing serious crimes and getting no services, no treatment, no programming. The, the board of supervisors also have uh, some responsibility in this because they're not providing those services for the courts to send young people to. Uh, it, it just feels like our politicians are suffocating our criminal justice system, starving it of resources. But this plays in the direction that George Gascon wants to take things anyway. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll talk to you many more times over the course of the next year and a half. But how can people find out more about your campaign? Oh, yes, please. Thank, and thank you for that. People can uh, visit my website at McKinney4LA.com. That's McKinney4, the number 4, LA.com. And uh, there's a lot of information on the website. We just launched it yesterday. I'm very proud of it. There's a full bio on me there, and I encourage people to go learn more about me and hopefully support me. There's also a, a donate button on that website. We know that uh, money is the mother's milk of a campaign, and, and I certainly needed to take on an incumbent like George Gaston. So thank you for the opportunity to say that. John, I think you're going to be a very strong candidate, and you have a platform here anytime you need it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right. Honored to be with you. Good luck. Thank yep. you. Los Angeles County Deputy District Attorney John McKinney was our guest, and he is, of course, running to replace George Gascon in the 2024 election. And uh, sounds good to me. Uh, honestly, uh, I don't know how many other people are going to jump into this race, but John decided to do it early, and I think that's a wise move. More coming up. Uh, we'll look into the hearings in Washington, D.C. over, uh-oh, the origins of COVID-19. John and Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. 
You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. Coming up after 2 o'clock, we'll update you. Apparently, uh, Eric Garcetti's nomination did clear a Senate panel today. Now, that happened before, so it's not really big news. Uh, It got stalled after that last time he cleared a panel. It's happened again. We'll talk about it because there's a few other things you need to know coming up in the uh, 2 o'clock hour here on the John yeah. and Ken so, show. Somebody ran into him on a on an airplane. Yeah, it's a funny story. It is very funny. Kind of sad, and he is a sad person now. <laughs> he does look very sad. He really looks like defeated, beaten yeah. Not like he's been running the halls of D.C. again for the past several weeks, trying to come up with the votes to become the ambassador to India. We'll have all the details coming up after the news at two o'clock. Uh, Right now, we're going to talk about how, since the Republicans have taken over the House of Representatives, narrowly, but that means they control the agenda. So it's up to them to decide basically what the hearings are about. Hearings are often just a bunch of gas, but sometimes they're worth listening in to see what's going on. And the one we're going to talk about right now is investigating the origins of COVID-19. Lab leak or naturally from creature to human? Let's bring on Justin Finch, ABC News for KFI, on what happened with this today. Welcome, Justin. How are you? Uh, hey there. Good. How are you? Uh, those are the two lines of thought here that are kind of governing uh, the, the thought process behind this hearing. And as was promised today, uh, more hearings to come. Lab leak versus natural transmission. And so at times, of course, no surprise, we did see this uh, conference, rather hearing, uh, take some very political turns. But each time they tried to guide themselves back to the issue at hand. And so we heard from a few experts today, including Robert Redfield, the former CDC director. He is someone who raised very early on his concerns about the possibility of a lab leak, but he underscores, too, that both theories should be explored. Uh, we heard, too, from uh, Nicholas Wade, who's a former science and health writer for the New York Times, and his presence on the panel was met with a lot of consternation from Democrats uh, who pointed to a book that he wrote some time ago that they said included some very racist theories. He was even given time to clear the air and get them again back on the agenda. We heard, too, from Paul Al. He's a minority witness called by Democrats, and he spoke to a point that was raised by Raul Ruiz, who's a member on the panel, that was there needs to be some kind of worldwide panel that goes into these labs to guarantee there is a degree of safety to prevent things like this. You kind of contrast that with uh, the WHO and other agencies have sought access to that lab to learn more, and they have been shut out. And I guess that's one of the big purposes of this is to try to make sure this doesn't happen again. Whatever the origins of the virus are, they need to come up with the better means to combat it. Uh, that's right. And what's really kind of at stake here, and, and both said and unsaid here uh, in this hearing and others today, is that China has not been very forthcoming with what they know about this virus. Um, we are seeing demands grow from not just here in the U.S., but around the world to have China say something, give some indication of what they have known about the timeline of COVID uh, to, again, to prevent another pandemic like this uh, happening. So you have now the WHO, the World Health Organization, now asking countries around the world to kind of cough up what they have 
have on this too to compare intelligence. Uh, we know that in recent weeks between the U.S. Department of Energy and the FBI, there has been some low confidence consensus around this lab leak theory. But the more we get from perhaps now these other sources, excluding China, we can begin to build a better idea uh, of how this pandemic was able to take hold. Do you, do you, was there any discussion? Is Dr. Fauci going to be a part of this? Uh, Dr. Fauci, not a part of today's hearing, but he was given the the heads up very early on that he would be called to appear before uh, these House panels. Well, did they lay out any any roadmap on, on the uh, gain-of-function research that was going on at Wuhan and uh, the funding that came from some American uh, agencies and, and maybe uh, going all the way up to Fauci and the NIH? Uh, there, there was a, some discussion of that, that, uh, that game of function theory, which uh, essentially talks about ways to uh, manipulate a virus to, with the intention of creating a, a way to treat it, such as a uh, vaccine or what have you. Uh, that was a theory that was definitely proffered, and it was kind of hit back on on both sides. Uh, the argument that there's just not enough known about what was going on in that lab to precisely say if that was the case with this virus, but that kind of research had been conducted in that lab. And there were some reported ties that were linked to uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci and perhaps his at least knowledge of what was going on in that clinic. That came up quite a few you know, times. But this is this is actually, I think, probably getting frustrating for a lot of people, because I think most people uh, who are not uh, clouded by partisan politics have a have an understanding of what probably went on there, but you're never going to get definitive information information because the Chinese are never going to talk. That's right. That, 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 the Stonewall is happening in Beijing. We're not getting much past them on, on what can be gleaned and, and assessed under science. So that was one thing that was brought up by uh, Debbie Dingell, a House Democrat, and she was saying that in the absence of China uh, putting out what they know, uh, various theories have been allowed to take root, and those theories are not just words. They become action or inaction and can have very dire consequences. Uh, based on myth or rumor, someone's health can be directly impacted, which is why she was championing a nonpartisan charge to get to the bottom of COVID-19. Yeah, but, well, we have different agencies coming up with different conclusions. We just heard recently about the Department of Energy, and before that, the FBI saying it's likely coming from a laboratory. Other government agencies have said, okay. no, it's probably natural right. beginnings. But here's my question, Justin, and, and how come there was so much effort that first year, back in 2020 and into 21, and Fauci was a part of it, to just say, no way, it's a lab leak. We, it's, we, we don't go down that road. I mean, that seems really uh, deceptive. You know, as we look kind of backwards at that time and, and look at what's going on now, uh, you, you kind of wonder how layered the the response and the explanation to COVID here in the U.S. was. Uh, there are, are, are many theories, you know, that are out there, obviously. But you think about the sort of geopolitical box we are now in with China over myriad things from COVID to Taiwan to exports and everything else, you, you kind of wonder if they were trying to, the U.S. and the West, to, to not uh, sort of complicate any already tense relations. But when you kind of fast forward to now, you see we're here anyway. 
Yeah, yeah, uh, that's right. That's, you know, that's exactly so how it's going to work, too. right? Eventually, right. at least what may be the truth comes out. All right, we thank you very much for joining us today, Justin. We appreciate right, it. Thank you. Justin Finch, ABC News for KFI, covering the hearings, what? the first public hearings in Washington, D.C., in Congress over the origins of COVID-19. You know, what, one of the uh, characters in this story, uh, William Redfield, who was the head of the CDC at the time, and he testified today, he said he was an early advocate of the idea that this happened as a lab leak it originated as a lab leak and he said he got sidelined by fauci yeah they Fa all got squashed fauci right. didn't want to hear about it and that's what makes me suspicious of fauci in the same way I'm you ought to be suspicious of china right anybody who doesn't want to discuss it who punishes people who are discussing it who doesn't want to talk doesn't want to allow investigation that's a sign of guilt it's always a sign of guilt all right, we got more coming up. John and Ken, KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. All right, we'll talk about yoga pants after 2 o'clock. The pathetic former mayor is still trying to be ambassador to India. There is an update there. Right now, we continue in Washington, D.C., and this may be a little hard to believe. Uh, last week... We played the audio of a mother who testified before Congress. She was a Michigan mother whose two sons died from fentanyl. They thought they were taking some kind of opioid, and instead they got too much fentanyl. They both died. And she was making a plea. Stop the fentanyl from coming into the United States. A day or two later, Congresswoman from Georgia, Marjorie Taylor Greene, brought this up and said it's Biden's fault. And then Biden kind of chuckled about all that. It was weird. So today... Uh, there was an exchange between the Fox News reporter Pete Ducey and the White House press secretary, KGP, they call her, Karine Jean-Pierre. And this is what happened. So cartels kill Americans on this side of the border with drugs. And now they're killing Americans on the other side of the border with guns. Why is President Biden so comfortable with cartels operating so close to the U.S. Well, let's be very clear. Let me take on the drug part here, because since you brought this up, um, because of the work that this president has done, because of what we've done specifically on fentanyl at the border, it's at historic lows, historic levels, uh, that we have been able to uh, record a number of personnel working to secure the border because of what we've been able to do. Seizing that fentanyl, uh, we've done it in a historic way. That's because of what this president has done. I just talked about 23,000 federal agents that have been able to be, uh, uh, that we've been able to hire and put at the border to secure the border. On top of that, historic Sanctions going after traffickers and other financiers are helping disrupt fentanyl supply chains throughout their flow to the U.S. And we, we're really expanded access to treatments like uh, that are saving lives, if you think about it, which prevent overdoses expanding as, uh, as our fentanyl test trips. Uh, and through the removal of the X waiver, anyone registered to pres prescribe controlled medications can oh, now uh, prescribe life-saving medication to treat addiction. So again, we are seizing fentanyl wow. at record historic levels this because of what the, because of the of what the president this... has done to secure our border. Uh, and look, we've also <laughs> coordinated, uh, made sure that we're coordinated our our, our, um, uh, our relationship with Mex with Mexico. You're a liar. Uh, to deal lady, with, this lady uh, is such a liar. Shut up! Shut up! Stop it! Nobody should have to waste their life listening to that prattle. They are seizing more fentanyl at the border, but this pales in comparison to the amounts coming in and getting passed, right? She goes, it's at historic lows. What's at historic lows? Nothing is.
She just uh -huh. made that up. She just lies. And everybody stands there. All those stupid White House reporters stand there while she just blatantly lies. And, of course, all this is going to be played on the news tonight. Uh, National Review has a story on this. It says fentanyl abuse, trafficking overdoses, not at historic lows. There's a strong case that fentanyl overdosers are now the leading cause of death for Americans between the ages of 18 and 45. The leading cause of death. A DEA, a DEA administrator in the Biden administration and Milgram called fentanyl a newer, deeper, more deadly threat than we have ever seen. 70,000 people plus died from a fentanyl overdose in 2021, up 25 percent from 2020, double from 2019. In fact, fentanyl overdose deaths in 2021 were over 26 times higher than 10 years before. Oh, just look around. The coverage of what fentanyl is doing to people left and right, there is no evidence that we're stopping more fentanyl at the border. Again, I make the point, same thing that happens with illegal immigrants, migrants, whatever you want to call them. When the numbers go up on the seizures and the numbers go up on stopping illegal immigrants at the border, that tells you that probably a lot more made it into the country. That's usually the case. When you have a lot that you're grabbing, it means there's a lot more that's made its way through. That's kind of how it works. You, you know, if, if, if the overdose deaths are 26 times higher than a decade before, that means we're not at historic lows or the fentanyl deaths would be the same as 10 years ago. That's the job of these people, though, is to uh, just blow smoke and gas. And, at and the, the reporters. stupid, all these progressive uh, boot-licking, hmm. knob-slobbering, tongue-bathing reporters. God, they are sad and pathetic. We have the worst news media I've ever seen in my life. Well, Pete Ducey tries harder than anybody to uh, ask more pertinent questions of these spokes holes. I know. It's got to be a frustrating and, job. And then she filibusters for two minutes and goes on to somebody else. All right. When we come back, yes, Mayor Yoga Pants, the former disgraced mayor of Los Angeles, Yoga Pants, his nomination has once again made its way out of a Senate committee. Uh, this time, though, there were some no votes, which was not the case last time. Uh, we'll talk about all this. Johnny Ken, KFI AM640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. And Deborah Mark live, the 24-hour KFI newsroom. Hey, you've been listening to the John and Ken Show. You can always hear us live on KFI AM640, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. every Monday through Friday. And, of course, anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. 
Equal housing opportunity. Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order.